0: Hey buddy. What's going on?
1: Nothing. What's up with you?
0: <clears throat> Not a damn thing. Literally just got home, sat down. Seems like you just finished the episode. Fucking yeah. good to go.
1: Yeah, man. It's been a busy week so I uh was working right up till the 11th hour. But Nice. We got it done and we're at I don't know like 14 pages, 15 pages.
0: Nice. Yep. Yeah. That's what we do for you, the listeners of yeah. the Left on Red podcast.
1: Yeah, that's that's literally what we're here for. Uh, yeah. Nothing else.
0: Yes. Yeah. We're just drones. My uh, my cat Sancho, he um, he's kind of pissed because I basically just uh, ate dinner real quick, then walked right up here and sat down. And usually, you know, I greet him, and he seems to be quite ornery. Um. Yeah. He didn't. get his, I've shunned him, so <laughs> he didn't get his usual uh love. Little rejection. head scratches. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's too bad. He yeah. Can suck Sorry, up. Sancho. When you live a a life of complete and total leisure, you uh, <laughs> yeah. occasionally Literally just have to sleep sacrifice. for twenty hours a day. Yeah, when your entire life is a vacation, you sometimes <laughs> have to sacrifice the smallest modicum of comfort and and personal yeah. gratification. And
0: yeah, I I am giving us both the life that we live, Sancho. So <laughs> right, he doesn't you, you really provide
1: s- anything to the equation.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's like so it's really just kind of a. Uh, it it's a problematic relationship. Yeah,
1: yeah. You you yeah. provide for him, just yeah, at every and then, level, and he just goes more. Yeah. Now, seriously, that was great. Can we keep doing that? Because uh, yeah. I insist.
0: Yeah. No, I haven't had my head scratched all day. So maybe if you can just sit there until you fall asleep doing it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, it's, he really is like your child. Yeah. Just your elderly, like (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) Technically, like a yeah. He's older than me, you know, in terms of where he is in his life, relative age. Yeah, he's like the old man that I uh, that I adopted. Right. Yes, this is my elderly son.
1: I let him shit in a box in my bathroom, and uh, (laughs) yeah, I clean up after him. He's but he's an elder statesman. He watches me do
0: it. He watches me (laughs) clean up after him.
1: It's like yeah, you like that, don't you?
0: Yeah. I just made that today.
1: That's a gift from me to you, pal.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um,
1: yep. So, what else is new? What's going on?
0: Um. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all. I can't believe it's already. We're recording this on the fifteenth.
1: I can't believe it's already the fucking fifteenth. I know. I haven't done any shopping. Yeah, I have done some. Uh, I've gotten <clears throat> my most important gifts, but I still have like a, a few things I need to get, and I'm really pushing it. Yeah,
0: I was like, oh, I still have like three weeks, and I'm like, wait, it's the fucking fifteenth.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's, you've got a week and a couple days, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like 10 days.
0: Yeah. Yep. yep. A week from don't Saturday. To
1: it's Christmas.
0: Hey, man, I've got um, the work holiday thing this Friday. Maybe I'll win something in the raffle and that can be one of the gifts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, imagine. You get like a pair of like uh, Gore-Tex gloves or like, uh, I don't know, what kind of shit do they give away at the work raffle? Normal
0: stuff. No, not, not normal stuff you know
1: gloves are kitchen. actually nice i mean
0: yeah kitchen sets or um you know uh i got a weighted blanket one year and that's <clears throat> i still use that every night so that was a gift for me i won that in the raffle that's cool that was, i was very happy because like nobody else putting tickets for it so i was like i'm putting in tickets for this and i won it so all right did that yeah what's uh what else have i won at that fucking thing i don't oh, know no. one year i got a uh for my uh girlfriend at the time i got a bag a little bag gave that to her what kind of um, bag oh it was an expensive i don't even remember it was an expensive one they've clearly spent money on it i was like here you go yeah i bought it for you yeah mm-hmm. yeah waited in line
1: <laughs> does she listen to this show i doubt it cool
0: but if she does, I'm pretty sure I told her
1: that anyway. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say also it wouldn't it's not like there's really any consequences at this point. Yeah, this was years ago, bro. Yeah. This was like
0: a long time ago. Yeah.
1: That's funny. <clears throat> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I came clean after like a few months I was like, Yeah, so that bag I definitely don't buy that on that at a raffle.
1: <laughs> Maybe she like realized she was like, This bag is uh is a piece of outside
0: shit. of his price range
1: oh maybe that too yeah. <laughs> yeah i wasn't exactly making a lot of money at the time i know <laughs> dude i lucked out this year i uh broke up with my girlfriend just in time <laughs> to not have to spend any money on her for christmas yeah it saved a lot is, of money yeah well i actually had some cool shit planned and uh now you can spend it on old Cami. Yeah, just on myself. I'm just going to yeah. get myself a Fleshlight and some flashlight accessories. Uh, five orders of chicken parm. Oh, I'm, I've surpassed that since <laughs> already. The amount of chicken parm. No, I'm just kidding. I actually don't eat that much chicken parm. But uh, if we were just to say five things of takeout, period, definitely. Definitely yeah. surpass that. Three of them chicken parm. Uh, weirdly, you know, I think I've only had chicken parm once since we broke up.
0: Was it the time that I told you, I was like, dude, just order chicken parm from yeah. that place you like. Mm-hmm. You'll feel better. It you're like, I won't time. feel better. And then, like, five hours later, you're like, I have definitely felt better. I felt
1: better. <laughs> yeah, it was that time. Yeah. It worked. It, it did work. That was good advice. Chicken yeah. parm solves all problems. Yeah no, dude, yeah. no woman can trump the power of chicken yeah. parm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, like, decent delivery chicken parm is better yeah. than a woman's esteem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I
0: no woman's opinion of me is higher than mine of chicken parm.
1: They say that there is no warmth like that of a woman's regard, but I, I would argue that the warmth of a steaming chicken cutlet with marinar and a nice mozzarella yeah. uh, trumps all. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and I stand by that.
0: Words to live by, brother. Uh, yeah, Words I mean,
1: to fucking live by. That's how I think that's just how we're gonna try to do it, you know, from here on out going yep. forth. <laughs> It's just going to be chicken parm all the way down, boys. Listen, I just want to make one
0: thing clear. First date, I'm like, I want to make one thing clear. You will never be above the chicken parm in my life.
1: You are going to be second place forever.
0: As a matter of fact, I ordered chicken parm on this very date, so you can see the way I feel about that. And know that that is your limit. You'll never... I know we're going out for a nice
1: dinner. I had a chicken parm before I left my house at 4.15 p.m. I ate a full chicken parm dinner.
0: Listen, I always eat a chicken parm takeout. Before I go on a date, it clears my head. I
1: just want you to know that when (laughs) I'm feeling like I'm a little slow, like a little down in the dumps, a little unsure, I eat a full chicken parm plate. I get the pasta, I eat the garlic bread, and I eat the whole cutlet. I don't save anything for later. Yeah, it keeps me going. It gives me energy. Okay? Do I fuck better on chicken parm? No. Okay. Nope. Substantially. Barely at all. Substantially worse. You know, I'm ready I for can, bed. I can hardly now. keep it up when I've <laughs> yeah. got oh, a belly dude. full of parm. I am absolutely just soft as blazes right now. I, there is a 0% <laughs> I am chance. Soft
0: of... and sweatier than usual. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What is that delicious, piquant odor on my breath? That's <laughs> the smell of a nice homemade marinar. And I. <laughs> it's because i devoured a whole chicken parm before this date uh the bit's done i think it's run its course yeah that was good yeah i liked it i feel that way though i really do feel that way
0: yeah <laughs> but in all seriousness
1: in all seriousness though i do like chicken parm a lot yeah. it's it's a very good dish do you know that chicken parm doesn't exist in italy i can believe that yeah. Yeah, they don't have that they have eggplant it's like just parm. a lot of seafood right well, no, they have, like, yeah, so they have eggplant parm. Eggplant parmesan is oh, a thing. Yeah. And then they have um, chicken milanese, which is like, or milanese, which is like the breaded fried chicken cutlet. Um, and the they combination- also got,
0: they have their own version of the Portuguese staple as well. They got bacala.
1: Sure, yeah. 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 They also do the salted cod.
0: Yeah, the, all those southern European countries love it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. Hey, man, what else are you going to do with all that cod? salt it. Yeah. You know? Even, Absolutely. hey, you can even make a pastry or some. Pastéis de bacalhau, you know. Sure.
1: Yeah, you could if you were from like a demented.
0: Hey man, back, you've why. you've tried it from Antonio's. You've tried it with. Did me. I try the
1: salted cod pastry?
0: Yeah, the pastéis de bacalhau. Was it yeah. a croquette? Or yeah, like... and then you dip it into the alentejana. You know, with the sauce, you can dip it in there.
1: I don't think we got it. We did. Oh.
0: We tried it at once. You've gotten it with me. It's good. I yeah. like it. I, I like it a lot. Well, I don't remember not
1: liking it, so I'm assuming I liked it. I can eat a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Dude, Portuguese food is fucking tight, but it's like, man, very. I mean, we're joking about may... like Italian food putting you to sleep. Portuguese food. Yeah, is...
0: oh my God, dude. You eat it and it's like you can barely make it back to the car.
1: Night, night. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, especially because most of the Portuguese food that we know, that I know from you, is, is Azorean food, which is like yeah. especially fucking insane. It's yeah. delicious. I mean, it's some of the best food in the Although world.
0: Although Alentejana isn't Azorian. That's from, it's actually Algarvin. Yeah. It's a little joke, too, Though I like. It's from the Algarve, but they call it Alentejana because the uh, the pigs in the Alentejo are especially good. Mm-hmm. So they call it that to, like, valor steal the pigs.
1: <laughs> from the Alentejo. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing that from you before. Yeah. But I guess I don't need to say that because for the audience, that's why that's why we're even we're just we're here they the also audience. heard it from me. They probably have heard it from you before too. Maybe. I think we might have talked about that before. Doesn't matter. No reason not to mention it twice. Yep. And it's one of my favorite dishes of all time: potatoes, pork, and clams in the same delicious orange sauce that all things come in carrots, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's like pickled stuff in there. Yeah, dude, I made a beef stew today. I made. A very good beef stew today, like very good. And I tried a new approach that I got from from Kenji Lopez Alt.
0: Oh no, that isn't. I don't care.
1: Oh, he's a. He's I a said chef. I don't care. All right, cool. Well, <laughs> so his whole thing is this, right? So, you know, this is like just like a classic American beef stew. So there's no, yeah. like, you know, special steps you have to take, even though they don't make sense, whatever. Like when you're making like a beef bourguignon, there's things you do that. Or just because that's the way you make it, you know? But with American beef stew, it's like... It's kind of the Wild West. And... uh, So a few things that I did differently. And it turned out stunningly. One, you don't cut your beef into cubes while it's raw. And then brown all the meat in cubes. Because what you end up doing is overcooking your meat. What you do is you cut. You get your... Like a three pound piece of meat. And you cut Mm -hmm. it into steaks. And you just brown the big steaks. And then you cut it up later. So... The meat is rarer inside when you cook it. leads to softer meat. And I will say, when I pulled it out of the oven, I could put that shit apart with a, with a spoon. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Step two, you cook your vegetables in two stages. Because if you just put everything in at once when you start your stew and then just take it all out at the end, all those vegetables are mush. And they're basically yeah. just like incorporated into the sauce. And it's, what's the <coughs> point? So what you do is you saute a bunch of mushrooms and pearl onions and carrots and stuff ahead of time. Put those to the side and then in the pot when you're actually cooking for like the first like two-thirds of cooking you do separate whole vegetables so i literally had like whole carrots whole celery a whole onion not even peeled cut in half garlic you cook all that in there with bay leaves and the meat and then like two-thirds of the way through you pull it out and you yank all that stuff out and then you add your pre-cooked vegetables in that you're actually going to eat and so the broth is flavored but then those vegetables aren't overcooked so when you get it out you've got like whole big they're soft and they're cooked, but they're like still textured. Oh man, I gotta tell you, I, it rocks. It's like the best. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie.
0: I spaced out like halfway through that.
1: That's okay.
0: Because I was just thinking about how I want to crock up some kale soupage. Okay, well, just bear
1: That's fine.
0: Yeah, you know, some shadis, beans, kale.
1: We're twelve minutes in. Let's just start the show.
0: I don't fuck around with a bunch of vegetables in because that's just
1: vegetable soup. We should start the show. Okay, let's
2: start the show. (laughs)
1: No, no, no. I said no. No, I know you said no, but then I said you can think about improving one if you want, so you're not going to take that plunge?
0: No, no, I'm good.
1: Okay. We're already
0: 12 minutes, 13 minutes in.
1: You're not good, is what you're saying. You don't have it in you?
0: No, I am good.
1: Yeah, you're you're not able to. That's okay.
2: No,
0: just don't want to.
1: All right, let's start the show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I guess I could do Gay Terminator 2 if
1: you want. Where he's now he's the good gay terminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gay terminator 2. Now I'm and now I'm good. I'm still gay, but yeah. now I'm um, the good guy instead of the bad guy. Yeah. Um, it was a little reductive, you yeah. <laughs> know. Uh, At least you didn't do gay terminator dark fate or whatever it was
0: called. I could choose a different Avatar but uh, <laughs> James Cameron movie I could do gay avatar.
1: Yeah. Which is already <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of docking in, in Avatar where oh, just, yeah, like, dude, they they yeah. merge their weird little sensory organs together and stuff. Oh I can't wait for Avatar parts two through four. Hey man, I'll, I'll watch them Of course you will. I'll go see him in IMAX, man. That shit's probably gonna be yeah. tight.
0: They're just Yeah, gonna... James Cameron rocks. I'm sorry, you know, I trust the man that made the abyss that made Terminators one and two. You know? That yeah. made aliens. That What's made
1: that Titanic no. your favorite movie.
2: No, no but here's the tired. thing. He
1: did, in order to make that movie, he did go down and find the Titanic. Well, I, I believe
0: he made the movie in order to get funded for that. Okay, well, so, but then he did go... He was like, fine, I will also make a movie while I do this.
1: Right, and oh, so that's right, because when he made the movie, he depicted the ship breaking in half. And I remember that there was some controversy, because... The company that owned the Titanic had always said, like, that didn't happen because they were insistent on proving that their ship was at least structurally sound enough that it wouldn't just snap in half.
0: Why would they? Like, it's been hundreds hundred right, fucking years. Right. And it
1: already sunk. Who cares? But they, <laughs> yeah, they were like... talking about it. And so <clears throat> he went down and proved it. And, like, they found it and it was in two pieces. And he was like, see? And that's Idiots. pretty cool. Nice. That's cool. That's pretty gangster. All right, uh egg on their face, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, without further ado, um what do you say we talk a little bit more about the Sengoku Jidai?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we have to at this point, right?
1: Yeah, unless you've got something else planned cuz I <laughs> No, it just <laughs> which, frankly would cat. make me really this upset. This fucking cat is losing his mind behind <laughs> me right now. <laughs> um so in this one, we're definitely going to Fly through periods of time a little bit more because there's just like so here's the thing There are so many cool little side stories and as I was researching this I kept thinking of things and thinking of things and what I usually do is I'll like try to work them all into an episode, but I've got 14 pages of just like pretty bare-bones stuff here. So What I've decided is like going forward Maybe I'll do like little postscript episodes because like I want to talk about you know, Takeda versus Uesugi. I want to talk about uh, Miyamoto Musashi. There's, like, just other cool stuff. I want to talk about ninjas, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to wait a while, and we'll do, like, little, like, Sengoku post-script episodes where I talk about that stuff because I oh, want to sure. get through the actual, like, meat and potatoes of it.
0: Yeah, we really didn't talk about it. was a long-ass episode last time, but we really yeah. only talked about a short period of time. Yeah,
1: and it was, it was all just, like, I felt like it was important to give some build-up, but this time we're diving in and we're just going to start plowing through events and uh let's plow so nobody give me a hard time because that's how we have to do it man otherwise this would be like a 20 part series and i'm not doing i'm just not doing that i'm not (laughs) fucking doing that you kidding me so rest assured like anything that you feel like i skipped over there's a few big things and down the road we'll do like individual little little side story episodes on those um so what, are you laughing at the cat?
0: Yeah, he, yeah, he's just been losing his fucking mind behind me, running back and forth. Yeah, he's so. And then he stopped and just slunk up.
1: What a, what a little bastard. Yeah, well, he's starting to pick up speed again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so uh, in last week's episode, yep. uh, we discussed the genesis of the Sengoku period, wherein the feudal lords of Japan realized that. Um, the central control of the Ashikaga shogunate was no longer as powerful as once believed. So seeing this, the lords of Japan slowly but basically unanimously came to the conclusion that um, if the shogun could not maintain control, and since obviously the emperor couldn't because he'd been a figurehead forever, uh, they are going to have to assert themselves and attempt to establish some kind of new order in the land themselves. This is the true essence (coughs) of the Sengoku Jidai, um, and as we mentioned previously, The Japanese (coughs) term for this was Gekko Kujo, or the small conquer the big. So basically uh, what we're seeing are lords who were previously considered sort of inconsequential rising up and overtaking the daimyo who had previously dominated them and their land holdings. And this is a massive shift from the policies which had come to define both the Kamakura and the Ashikaga Shogunits. And so to see lords sort of so openly flouting tradition um, was actually pretty scandalous by contemporary standards. Now uh, a lot happened during the Sengoku period, and we talked a little bit about it last time. Uh, we're discussing a period that spans approximately a hundred years or more, and so obviously, as I said, I'm going to kind of end up skipping over some stuff um, because I'm just doing a trilogy, and 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 there's just no way like i was for part of my research on this i was listening to other podcasts and watching um some different like documentary series and stuff and there are people that do like 80 part episodes on this and they go into every little thing and it's not happening um so we're just going to hit some uh really important defining points and and that's going to be it (laughs) So, <laughs> we're going to have to paint in relatively broad strokes, um, but we're going to fast forward a little bit from where last episode left off, and we're okay. going to fill in some blanks, blanks pretty broadly. So, as I mentioned, um, the Sengoku Jidai is broadly defined as a period of massive social unrest where in Daimyo, or the Hereditary Samurai Lords of Japan, uh, are amassing increasingly large degrees of personal power, and they're beginning to exert that power on a national scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So obviously the idea of the modern nation state did not quite exist yet at this point in time. Uh, but I will say that in Japan, they actually probably had a greater sense of national identity than you would see in, say, like medieval Europe or another nation at a similar level of development. Um, people are obviously still loyal to their local daimyo, and that's probably the most the the easiest cognate to like a modern sense of national identity people would consider themselves citizens of their province but at the same time they do have this sort of idea of of a Japanese national identity and a lot of that has to do with allegiance to the emperor who as we mentioned has this sort of uh, semi mythological godly status in in Japanese society. So several lords uh, rose up during this period and overthrew the previously established order. Um, and perhaps the most important of these guys is a guy named Oda Nobunaga, who we mentioned last week. And uh, just to remind you guys, we're going to be using traditional East Asian naming conventions in these episodes. So Oda is his family name. Nobunaga is his personal name. Just bear that in mind because I'm going to call him both. But when I mention the Oda clan, like that's his family. Yeah. So he had been born in 1534, the son of a relatively prestigious uh, sort of local military governor named Oda Nobuhide, uh, who was a rival of the local powerhouse Imagawa clan. Um, But he was also sort of a subordinate. Um, And so not directly subordinate, but most of these minor clans at this time, you'll see a lot of smaller clans kind of grouped around a larger central clan. And even though that central clan, they might not owe them their direct allegiance, (coughs) they end up falling under their sort of sphere of influence just because the sort of rule of the day is the strongest guy in a given sphere is going to exert himself over his his you know the surrounding lords just because that's what an honorable lord does he at every opportunity bullies the smaller guys around him until he is in charge of them or they're extinct and that's just sort of the way it goes there's not really like an alternative approach at this point um, so it really does, uh, this is sort of the essence of Sengoku politics, and it really does boil down to the strong devouring the weak. And if your house is considered weak, you could rest assured that the guy next door is trying to take your shit. They just my, all are.
0: My house would never be considered weak.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. Strong house. Yeah, by by, by Sengoku era Japanese standards, you're like a tall, strong, and studly man.
0: True. You know. But today's standards, too. Well, not the tall part.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah but for sure I mean you have like the facial hair and the stature you you were taller than a lot of these guys they were, yeah. they were small I remember going to a uh, I mean even to
0: uh, even 200 years ago
1: yeah I remember going to an exhibit of um samurai armor and arm arms uh, at the MFA a few years ago which was really cool and seeing some of the armor that was worn by like like warlords and stuff. I mean these yeah. dudes were I mean these are small. These look like little kid things. Like here I am, I'm 6'4. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I have this idea of these like samurai and like they're like, you know, doing all this cool heroic shit and you see this stuff and it's teeny tiny. Well, it was like
0: a, I was listening to Age of Napoleon mm-hmm. um a couple weeks ago on uh, the, the uh the Austerlitz episode. Yeah. Which fucking finally, Austerlitz. I know um, I haven't kept up with that
1: show, but it's such a oh good my show.
0: God, dude, yeah, woo, fucking awesome. But uh, you know, so um, the host he was talking about um, the uh, the Russian, I think it was Russian, like the imperial guard, mm-hmm. like the like the emperor's like personal guard. And he was like, you had to be like a tall soldier, so like the um, you had to be at least five foot eight to be <laughs> in the like personal guard of the emperor. Yeah, I was like, damn. I like. I clear that pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, dude.
1: I'm five nine.
0: I'm five ten. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Come on,
1: die, die. you can't can't be taken away That's inches. true, I always forget. <laughs> you and my little sister are the same height. <laughs> um. So. It, it, well, yes. Yeah, so you're right. So people, I think a lot of it has to do with hormones. I mean, there just weren't guys like me back then. I don't think
0: yeah i mean that it's also i mean like people like there's just like a lot more access to food yeah especially like high protein food and shit like oh that, dude i used know? to
1: drink i used to drink glasses of two percent milk like every day
0: i mean dude like honestly like almost every single one of my dude friends is over six feet tall yeah so it's like yeah i always feel short but you know.
1: yeah you're not actually short yeah you just are in comparison to your friend i mean not all of your friends are though
0: yeah almost all of them um but dude i still remember that time you and i went to that it was some kind of like party it was like all like new bedford like portuguese people and uh we go there and i'm like by far the second tallest person there it was like me you well was your ex-girlfriend she was like she was like five eleven, right something like
1: that yeah she was she was i think she was six feet but she didn't like to admit she she was was definitely
0: like uh, an inch or two taller than me yeah but so like the tallest people there were like you and then her, and then me, and then it was, like, inches yeah. <laughs> to the next one. Like, I was, like, towering over most people. I don't had. remember
1: this party, but... Really? Well, no, I don't remember
0: a lot of that whole period of That's time. true, yeah. There the boozing years. Uh, well,
1: there was a lot of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, the, the extended boozing years. Yeah,
1: definitely <laughs> the early part of the boozing years. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. All right, so, uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so these guys That's are all short. the
1: moral of the story. Everybody's small. Yeah. Um, so the Oda clan, um, they at this point control most of the small province of Owari, uh, which is a relatively small southern central province on the main Japanese island of Honshu. Notably, the territory was beset on all sides by powerful daimyo with massive military forces and impressive pedigrees. So the Takeda and the Uesugi clans, who I keep mentioning, are to the north. Uh, the Imagawa, Imagawa and the newly reformed Hojo clans are to the west. And the imperial capital of Kyoto is to the east. Um, and then the sea is obviously to the south. So the Oda are basically sitting ducks waiting to be trampled on the road to consolidating power. So they're like the mm-hmm. buffer state in between the imperial capital and like all these other power players. And like at some point, somebody's going to have to cut through and try to try to take the capital.
0: Yeah, not a great place to be. Yeah,
1: yeah um japanese provinces at least traditionally are kind of interesting um there were semi-established borders and the people had a general sense of which province they inhabited but the provinces were not always directly tied to a particular political entity so there Mm -hmm. wasn't always like one ruler of owari province there wasn't always you know what i mean a given Mm -hmm. province wasn't always directly administered so the provinces had these sort of historical boundaries (coughs) people had the idea that like you're from Awari, you're from Awari. And it's, it's a little weird to the modern mind, especially in America, right, where you have this idea that, like, Texas is Texas and there's a governor of Texas, right? Awari mm-hmm. um, province could be a part of a larger domain. It could be cut mm-hmm. in half and be two domains. Somebody who rules a neighboring province might own, like, the top corner of it. Yeah. So it's all kind of convoluted. But there is this general... Or that's like feudalism, you know?
0: It's kind of like a... Yeah. Uh, like, I always like to go back to, like, William the Bastard. He was the Duke of Normandy. Yeah. The Duchy's part of the Kingdom of France. Yeah. But then he becomes the King of England. Right. But the Duchy of Normandy doesn't become part of the Kingdom of of England. Right. It's still the Kingdom of France, but the King of England isn't, you know, a subject of the King of France. It's all a weird thing. Right.
1: It's sort of like that. Mm. Um, Same basic idea, except there's never, like, the one thing that makes Japan different from Europe is that there is never officially anyone who is more powerful than the emperor like everyone always Mm -hmm. considers themselves an imperial subject okay no matter what even though they're like they they nobody asks the emperor permission for anything they do but they basically say like hey listen we're gonna have a meeting tomorrow and i'm gonna ask you for permission to do this um you're gonna do that right right yeah (laughs) like that's good with you right like and it's it's very like he's getting strong armed and just has been for centuries but there's never this idea of like extra national I don't know, citizenship or breaking away. No one's interested in that. Like, everyone wants yeah. to maintain the status quo, even as they're constantly flouting it at every turn. It's it's just really weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of confusing, um, but here we are. So Nobunaga is the eldest son of Nobuhide. Uh, okay. He has one older brother, but his older brother is a bastard. Um, in Japan, it's a little different than Europe. You're not entirely out of the line of succession by being a bastard but you're still not an ideal candidate and if yeah. you like your second son more he's just gonna inherit um, primogeniture is not strictly speaking a thing you know mm-hmm. your first son can be expected to inherit but it is not like a, a cut and dry situation if you've got
0: nothing else he'll do
1: yeah and and but a father and if he's or, really
0: good he'll definitely do of
1: course he'll definitely do yeah um, but you know if he's kind of a Have a little... If he's got, like, a gimpy leg or he's, like, a little bit of, like, a... You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, If he's not number one, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He might be number one, but if he's number two, then... Yeah, yeah. You know, he's number two no matter what number he is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um so when nobuhide unexpectedly died in 1551 nobunaga is named his legitimate heir and he inherits all the holdings of the oda clan and what little prestige at the time came with that inheritance
0: so so nobunaga is the younger son yep not the bastard
1: he's the second son yeah not the bastard the bastard doesn't inherit
0: so wait was nobuhide the first was he the bastard
1: nobuhide is his father the bastard oh, okay, doesn't no, inherit no, at all. Sorry. 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 Yeah. There, so this is another thing, and I think we mentioned this last week, but with a lot of these noble families, the sons, the first syllable of their name is often the same yeah, yeah, as that yeah, of their yeah, father. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing. But so yeah. like with the Ashikaga shogunates, it's like Yoshi. Yeah. In the Oda family, yeah. it's Nobu. You know, So there's Nobuhide, so Nobunaga, the Nobutada. You know, so, uh, so it doesn't no, really no, matter. Is,
0: all right, so Nobuhide is the father. Yep. There's a bastard son. Then there's a true son,
1: Nobunaga. Yeah, and so Nobunaga okay. is the important one. Oda Nobunaga inherits, and that's the name you need to remember. Got it. Um, but he's a he, So this is, like I said, kind of a small inheritance, but he's ambitious. And so despite knowing that he's ringed on all sides by powerful adversaries, he sort of begins enacting a grand strategy, and he kind of comes to be the classic embodiment of Sengoku politics um, and embarks on this quest to unify Japan and increase the prestige of his house. Um, there's a lot going on during this period and i'm not talking about a lot of the little other power plays that are going on right now um but i know that i mentioned that there are other lords who powerful lords that are getting overthrown which is sort of what happened with uh the nobunaga clan but there's also lords that have just been powerful forever that are still powerful um so the takeda clan is to the north and the usugi clan is also to the north um, the lords of these domains, Takeda Shingen, the Tiger of Kai, and Uesugi Kenshin, the Dragon of Echigo, those are their home <laughs> provinces, and they have these cool nicknames because it's the Tiger versus yeah, the Dragon. Yeah, hell names. yeah, dude. Yeah, and they just like are, they're mortal enemies. And like, so throughout the Sengoku Jidai, one of the, the big things is going to be like either one of these guys could probably have been the guy to unify Japan. The problem was they were so preoccupied with each other that they just spent all their time fighting each other. And they are the two probably honestly the two greatest military minds in Japan at the time, but uh-huh. in another kind of classic embodiment of the Sengoku era, there were these ancient feuds that like could not be ignored. And yeah. more important than trying to be shogun was I finally have the opportunity to defeat my my mortal enemy. And so they spend all this time fighting. And the good part about this for Oda is that they're so distracted from each other that they're not noticing anything that's going on, you know. They might... Oda's time to shine. Yeah, he's like, all right, so these guys are going to take care of each other. And they go on to fight the four famous battles of the Kawanakajima Plane. And they become legendary just because Ooh. these are, like, the biggest, some of the biggest Sengoku-era battles. But they don't decide anything. They just, like, distract these two guys from everyone else um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're just kicking the shit out of each other yeah for,
0: at this point they don't even remember why but it's too late to stop yeah
1: <laughs> During this time period, um, three of the four most powerful warlords in central Honshu, and, and this is the most powerful region of Japan at the time, um, had agreed to a non-aggression pact. So the Takeda, the Imagawa, and the Hojo clans. Uh, they're all of relatively equal prestige and standing. They're all ancient descendants of the imperial house. Um, and they had agreed to not openly combat one another and to avoid infringing upon one another's endeavors to expand influence within their region. Um, it's not necessarily an alliance, um, but it did mean that they're not really fucking with each other. Mm-hmm. So, and as I mentioned, the fourth is the Usugi clan who's just caught up fighting Takeda. Mm-hmm. So during this time, the head of the Imagawa clan, who's the daimyo, daimyo Imagawa Yoshimoto, had become convinced that he could really quickly, with everyone else distracted, kind of rush the imperial capital in Kyoto, depose the weakened Ashikaga shogunate, and then convince the neutered emperor um, at the point of his sword to declare a new Imagawa shogunate, um, ruled by his own family. But there's just one minor complication. As I mentioned before, um, who's in the way? Oh, the Nobunaga. Mm-hmm. So the Imagawa ruled Suruga province, which is one of the main provinces in the Japanese Tokaido region, which is this sort of region that cuts through central Japan. And it's named because there's this road, the Tokaido Road, that cuts right through it and is the main road leading to Kyoto in this uh-huh. region. Um, <clears throat> so between Kyoto and Saruga, as I said, lays Oari, controlled by the Oda clan. So Oda Nobunaga did not necessarily want to defend the Ashikaga shogunate, um, but he certainly had enough ambition to want to stop the Imagawa clan from trampling his lands and pillaging his holdings and then just moving through and claiming the shogunate for themselves. Like, what does he get out of that? So it's in his best interest to just fuck it like <laughs> let's this is where this is this is our moment we're gonna we're gonna just try to fucking stop
0: these guys man this is crazy you know I, maybe people were more bored back then but if i had a nice if i was a daimyo and i had a nice little region that i ruled and it was all good why do i gotta need to take another? no that would have been cool just being like no you guys fight
1: i'm just gonna tend to my cool little area here y'all can fuck off I think there probably right were guys who had similar outlooks to that, but that was <laughs> yeah. sort of antithetical to the entire mindset of a lot of these people. I mean, their entire... Maybe, maybe, maybe they got bored, too. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> well, <I laughs> like, think, you know, they like, well, I fucking I read all the shit I have in this library. I don't know. If
1: you think about it, right, This there's been relative peace and prosperity in Japan for hundreds of years at this point. Um, since probably the mongol invasions which were in the 1200s and so you have this period of time where you've got this growing military caste who devote their entire lives to the pursuit of warfare to the pursuit of bushido to the pursuit of honor but for 400 years there's been no ability to fight anybody no I think at this point, like it probably all started with just a bunch of hotheads who were like, "All right, man, finally, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, yeah, I've yeah. Been, you know, <laughs> I've been practicing chopping heads off since I was yeah. six years old. Finally, some fucking action! Finally, some fucking here. action! God and, damn it! <laughs> you know, they had this idea of like a noble, a noble death, and like the pursuit of a noble death, and um, I think it was, I think it seemed really appealing, like yeah, in a like genuine way. Got blood up, yeah." Yeah, they were genuinely down to clown like they wanted yeah. to fucking fight and um you know so now all of a sudden an opportunity arises where it's like we can go do that you know i don't think there were a lot of people that were looking at it your way where they're like yeah. like but well this is nice it's i've got a really nice we've all kind of got up pretty good right now yeah. fellas don't yeah. can't we just uh so, like we could have it better
0: well, and the, I could have it better. I don't care about you, Fox. Right, I could have this, it better. This is a zero-sum game, boys. O- <laughs> and the only
1: way to have it better is
0: to make you have it worse. I'm
1: gonna take what you got, and then yeah. you know. So they're warlike people. Um, <clears throat> and you'll see more and more of that as the story progresses into the next one. And because as soon as as soon as Japan is unified, spoiler alert. They immediately start thinking about like what the fuck can we conquer? Like they their imperial ambitions begin here, mm-hmm. and you'll see that sort of come to its genesis, or I'm sorry, come to a head like in World War II. But a lot of that yeah. stuff, a lot of that stuff has been fermenting, fermenting for a long time. And you'll see like a lot of the stuff that comes to pass in World War II has actually starts to be planned in like the, the 1500s yeah they, they punched above their weight class for sure absolutely <laughs> so like you know when you see toyotomi hideyoshi come around like he invades korea and he's like planning to invade china like yeah like it, literally the the civil war has been over for like 10 years and he's just like yeah i think we can take china japan yeah. has been not a protectorate of china for like a, a century less than a century and he's like now let's actually let's conquer china now well i mean uh,
0: even if we're just talking world war ii they're like all right so we're going to take korea then we're going to invade uh, China. Mm-hmm. We're going to attack the Soviet Union. We are going to go all through the motherfucking Micronesia. Yeah. And then we're going to sneak attack the U.S. Yeah.
1: All at once. <laughs> yeah, all at once. Yeah, we oh. can do it. We can fucking do it. Fuck it. Yeah, we'll do it over, like, yeah. a five-year period. hmm So they start trying that shit back then. Like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. It's like, 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 400 years before World War II, yeah. they're trying that shit already. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, it's interesting uh one thing that i forgot to put in this episode that i mentioned in last episode but yep. that is important so i mentioned that the portuguese had reached the shores of china in the in the mid-fifth i'm sorry the mid-16th century and they brought firearms with them uh yep. the arquebus which is like a prototype almost like a musket um, yeah oda loves guns he adopts them very early on um and a lot of his followers do as well um he doesn't have a lot of those followers yet but you will see he has a lot of influence on that because a lot of the really traditionalist daimyos like these guys who are already powerful they don't see the value in firearms they've never needed them before why would they need them now this young you know relatively unimportant guy obviously is going to seize on that and be like fuck yeah why wouldn't i take every advantage i could possibly have so they end up playing um a pretty big role in a lot of his victories we're not going to talk about that super specifically but i think it's kind of important to acknowledge and recognize that um oda nobunaga is an early 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 um adopter of guns in japanese warfare which we don't see a lot like in movies and stuff but they're around like they have Mm -hmm. guns at this point they're still fighting with swords and spears and shit and bows and whatever but they have guns okay um so like i said you know before we went on that long tangent it's not necessarily that oda wants to defend the shogunate but he does see the value in stopping imagawa where he you know is yeah So he rallies his men, and he makes up his mind to try to halt their advance at all costs. And so this ends up leading to the Battle of Okehazama, which uh, takes place in 1560, where the Imagawa army, which is like 25,000 men strong, um, is encroaching onto Oda lands, and it finds itself in a particularly tight situation facing off against a foe that they had never even really considered an obstacle. They sort of thought like... Okay, if, if Oda rises up against us, we'll just sort of smash him, head right through him, you know, and head into the capital. Um, this is because the Oda clan could really only muster between two and 3,000 men. So, compared to 25,000 men, it's pretty clear, like, by almost anyone's estimate, that this isn't really, like, a fight. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, here's the thing, though. I mentioned last episode that Oda Nobunaga... Um, He's going to go on to become one of the most monumental figures in Japanese history. And so you have to figure there's probably some genesis point to that. Like, why is this guy so revered to this day? Well, this, Yeah, I've heard his name before. Yeah. And so this battle is kind of the start of that. So <laughs> accounts differ as to the exact layout of the battle. Um, but everyone kind of agrees that it wasn't like a like a stand-up fight. Yeah. Um, Which is okay, like, by Japanese standards, especially at the time, that doesn't necessarily, like, make it, like, a dishonorable fight or a bad fight. If your strategy leads to the defeat of the enemy, that's cool, you know what I mean? So, um, the traditional
2: narrative
1: states that (coughs) Oda, uh, recognizing the numerical superiority of his enemy, um, sort of lays this perfect ambush and is able to capture, um, catch the Imagawa forces uh, in the field by surprise. And then he runs up on their camp and and murders uh, Imagawa, the daimyo, um, in his own camp. Uh, Uh This isn't generally accepted to, like, really make sense by modern historians. Um, The actual events are thought to actually be a little bit more haphazard, a little Uh bit less strategical, um, or a little bit less strategic. So... Oda mm-hmm. at the time uh, had fought in, you know battles with his father and whatever and was kind of known for being sort of reckless in battle and really aggressive and like just a big fan of like the all-out frontal assault and that ended up actually working a lot for him because in traditional samurai warfare that was less common than you would expect there were mm-hmm. a lot of feints a lot of skirmishes a lot of posturing um, because you know people didn't necessarily want to it's a small country and even though there's a big population, people aren't necessarily interested in, like, wasting life for no reason. And so here's this guy who's willing to just, like, charge head-on at people and just be like, fuck it, let's do this. Like, and that's sort of his approach. Um, And that actually was fairly successful. So whether he intentionally charged the sleeping Imagawa clan uh, camp or stumbled upon it by accident, um, it's, it's possible that he just went ahead and attacked him while his army was at camp not really mobilized, and he caught them by surprise and was able to just inflict massive casualties on them while they tried to mobilize. Um And so, again, I mentioned in the official story, it says that Nobunaga himself killed Imagawa, you know, in the enemy camp. Um What probably happened is that he escaped, and then Oda sent, you know, a cadre of his field officers and cavalry, and they sort of ran him down and just, like, unceremoniously hacked him down in the field. Damn. Which is, like, less... It's less, like, honorable in, like, a traditional narrative, but also it's, like, fuck it. Like, when you got a 25,000 strongman army, like, invading your territory, it's, like, you get the opportunity to just kill the leader. You just do it. And so that's what he does. You know? Does yeah, it. fuck it, yeah. He, he just yeah. kills um, yeah, The specifics honestly don't really matter. The important thing is that despite nobody ever considering that it was even a possibility, uh, Oda Nobunaga just fucking murked the Imagawa clan at Okehazama. Um, and the entire country is like, What the fuck just happened? Like, I've never even <laughs> heard of this guy. Imagawa's Imagawa. Like he's imperial. Like, what the fuck? And this dude was just like, Yeah, no, I just fucking did that. And yeah, so it's just like Yeah, what's up, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Here I am. What's <laughs> um, <laughs> so a lot of um, a lot of people start to see them as, like, movers and shakers. Like, all right, this guy's going to be something. He's clearly got a destiny. Yeah, he's um, just killing folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, firstly, Oda realizes the skill. There's a couple of, of cool side effects to this. So, he gets a lot of new followers in the wake of this battle. Um but two stand out in particular. So uh, after this battle, Oda realizes the skill and the value of one of his young sandal bearers, which is a ceremonial task that sort of a lowly samurai can achieve if he gains the favor of his lord, and the lord is sort of like interested in like maybe grooming him for higher command, but it's just like seeing how well he can serve. So he literally carries around the dude's sandals for him when he's like walking around camp. The lord's Um, footman. (laughs) And so this is a young guy named Kinoshita Tokichiro. Um, Who was actually born a peasant, which means that this wasn't his birth name. His birth name was Tokichiro, but he was given the name Kinoshita. Um, And he had risen from nothing to become a personal servant of a daimyo. And later on, he will take the name Toyotomi Hideyoshi, which is an important name, and you should remember that. Um, Okay, remembering it. Toyotomi Hideyoshi. Yep. So, he's... there's three names you gotta know in the Sengoku. There's Oda Nobunaga, there's Toyotomi Hideyoshi... And then there's the next guy. Um, but also, a quick side note. Okay. Uh, in later eras and in earlier eras, the idea of a peasant becoming samurai was not a thing. Because most samurai were defend, uh, descended from rank uh, uh, branches of the imperial nobility that had sort of become distant enough that they ended up sort of systematically being snipped off. And so they were given oh. this sort of in-between status where they're above a commoner but they're not imperial. mm mm-hmm. um, And it wasn't very easy to move between the ranks. But an interesting thing in the Sengoku Sengoku period is because, like, everything is so up in the air, you will start to see these sort of common people joining armies, distinguishing themselves. And the idea of upward mobility sort of extends beyond the traditional samurai class and into just the common people. And while it's not super-duper common, um, this is a really big example of, like, a guy who literally was born, like, the son of a fisherman. And would go on to become, again, one of the most important figures in Japanese history. Just through, like, sheer force of, like, fuck it, times are crazy right now. Like, I'm willing to go fight in every battle I can find and pledge myself to a great lord and try to distinguish myself. Yep. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, man. Um, So the second big thing, uh, as I mentioned, a huge number of the Imagawa clan's former retainers are going to now defect and pledge themselves to the Oda clan. Um, Among these is a relatively unknown uh, small local daimyo named Matsudaira Motoyasu. Is he
0: the third one I sure remember?
1: Yes. Um, Well, you know his name that he takes, so I actually wrote things incorrectly here. But he will later go on, once he kind of establishes himself, he'll petition Uh the emperor for a name change. um, And he will claim descent from the imperial family, which is likely fabricated because he was also probably not descended from them. But uh, he will change his name to Tokugawa Ieyasu. And so that's the last name that you need to know. Yeah, Tokugawa. You've um, probably heard of the Tokugawa Shogunate. Again, spoiler alert, I don't fucking know. But uh, we'll get there. So um, so these are the three guys you need to know. So that's when you see Toyotomi and Tokugawa enter the, the sort of narrative. They're both serving...
0: Right, so we, we got Ojunaba Naga. Yep. We got Toyotomi
1: Hideyoshi. Yep. And we've got uh, Tokugawa Ayasu. Yeah. And right. these are these are the 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 founding fathers of unified modern Japan. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So, immediately following the Battle of Okezama, uh oh, okay. Oda finds yeah. himself in relatively higher social standing. Like, all of a sudden, Felt he's it. like, you know, kind of a minor celebrity, and he's sort of able to maneuver some pretty sweet deals with some pretty powerful dudes. So, first off, as I mentioned, um, the Imagawa clan are no longer preeminent in the region. Uh, so, in their place, the the previously downtrodden Matsudaira clan who I just mentioned, Tokugawa's yep. actual clan is the Matsudaira clan, before he renames them. Um, they kind of fill in the power vacuum in that region and become sort of... They're still subordinate to Oda now, but they're filling in a lot of the administrative roles in that region. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> Second, Oda is going to form an alliance with Takeda Shingen, who you might remember is the Tiger of Kai. He's one of those two really powerful dudes up north who's just constantly obsessed with fighting each other. Um, So now all of a sudden he's got this like hyper powerful ally from this like old school family that like has just been in charge in Kai in central Japan for a long time. And that goes a long way towards people taking him seriously. Um, And also now he's just got all these new like subordinates and retainers and the size of his army swells exponentially. And he's just got all these resources added to his domain and he's in charge of multiple provinces now. Um, So he thinks, like, fuck it. I may as well just jack Imagawa's swag and steal his plan and, like, march on Kyoto. Like, I could probably do that. If he was going to do that and I could beat him, why couldn't I do it? And, Mm -hmm. again, this is, like, he's like he just made all these, like, stunning victories and successes. And, of course, the first thing he thinks is, let's keep it rolling. What's next? Yeah, right. (laughs) That's not good enough. Um, So there's a lot more to it. But basically in the 1560s, he's going to begin paving the way towards conquest of the entire nation. So, uh, first he's going to start undermining the delicate system of alliances, uniting the neighboring province of Mino under the Saito clan. Um, and he definitely brings the Saito's, uh, chief three retainers. He had these three guys under him that were called, like, uh, the triumvirate of Mino. And he, he basically gets them all slowly, one by one, to, like, defect and join his side. And so he takes the Saito clan out without really having to fight them. Um, Mm -hmm. and then it's on to Kyoto. Which he intends to occupy, ousting the sitting shogun, uh, Ashikaga Yoshihide, who was himself a puppet shogun set up by the previous shogun's murderers, who were probably other daimyo, but nobody knows who they were. Uh, But they hired Ninja and they assassinated him. Um, So Oda had previously been approached by the murdered shogun's brother, Ashikaga Yoshiaki, who begged this newly preeminent daimyo to help him take power. So he goes ahead and does this. Um, he's like, all right, yeah, I'll help you. But I think they have different ideas in mind. Um, I think Yoshiaki was like, yeah, help me come to power, and then I'll reward you with a position in my court, and I'll mm-hmm. be in charge. And I think Oda was like, yeah, I'll help you come to power, and then you will do whatever the fuck I want, because, yeah, yeah. you know, I bought you your throne. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so as soon as he does this, he goes in and very quickly defeats the pretender shogun and puts Yoshiaki in power. And Yoshiaki offers him, like, all these titles, and he's like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm happy mm-hmm. just being the Daimyo of Owari. And uh, someday the day might come where I ask of you a favor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously the Shogun doesn't like this. It's way <laughs> too open-ended. And he's just like, all right, I feel like this guy's going to try to walk all over me. Which he was. Okay, man. so <laughs> this is starting to feel
0: not that chill.
1: This is not as chill <laughs> as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I definitely
0: thought this would be a fairly <laughs> chill, kind of cool Yeah we're both what buddies situation you help me take my rifle pilot, place, i kind of feel then, like you're trying to fuck me here yeah it feels
1: like, <laughs> it feels like maybe you want to be shogun <laughs> yeah um <laughs> or at least in charge of the shogun which yeah. whatever what's the difference and that's something again we've talked about that before but like for a lot of these guys in this period of time um and you'll see this more with toyotomi hideyoshi like they're less concerned with the trappings of power than they are with actual real temporal power. Yeah,
0: they, they don't necessarily need the title. They yeah, just...
1: And the title would be nice, but if the title but is... But they're okay
0: being Shadow Prince.
1: Right. If the title is the one thing standing in the way of them in success, they'll just take the power. And yeah. if someone else has the title, fuck it. But that's like the whole idea behind the Shogun in the first place. It's like mm-hmm. the Emperor is still nominally the head of state. The Shogun is just the temporal power behind the government. And then, mm-hmm. like I mentioned during the Kamakura Shogunate, like, for a long time, the Shogun was also a puppet, and there was the Shiken. You yeah. know, like, they're fine with that. They're very flexible. <laughs> and yeah. as long as you're in charge, and everyone knows you're in charge, and your son's going to be in charge after you. You can call yourself in charge. You can <laughs> say that you're in charge. Yeah, as long as everybody
0: to... knows that I'm fucking in
1: charge. Right. And that's the thing. like The Shogun would let the Emperor dress nicer, live in a nicer house. Like You can have all that shit. But when I say jump, you fucking jump, monkey! Like they,
2: they, they, they or dance, whatever. Like you fucking yeah. dance,
0: all right? Yeah. When I, when I start turning the fucking wheel, yeah. <laughs> you
1: dance. Yeah, and start uh, clapping the cymbals. Right. <laughs> um. So, uh, for the remainder of the 1560s and up through the early 1580s, uh, Oda is going to focus his efforts on knocking out any other major obstacles to his supremacy in Western and Central Japan. So one after the other, he's going to subdue his foes uh, as he slowly, slowly calls across the country, working his way eastward and northward in an attempt to solidify his supremacy as the preeminent daimyo in Japan. Uh, He's aided in this quest by his two top generals, Toyotomi Hideyoshi and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Um, They're both pretty different, but they're both known for being really clever and really savvy leaders. Um, Toyotomi Hideyoshi is really adept at outsmarting his opponents and Mm -hmm. tokugawa is really good at outlasting his opponents and those are two important things that you need to remember so oda is this aggressive upfront i will charge the shit out of you and i will scare you into running away and i will win uh toyotomi hideyoshi is like i will outsmart you into losing uh tokugawa is i will be the last man standing you know what i mean no matter what Mm -hmm. i'll take 10 losses if it means i get one victory as long as that's the last victory and that's all that matters. So, you'll see these personality traits kind of becoming their defining characteristics. Um do <clears throat> I kind of talked about all this already? Yeah. Okay, so as I mentioned, um <clears throat> Tokugawa had at this point leveraged his alliance with Oda. He now has completely ousted the Imagawa clan, and he is the uh, leader, the sole leader of Mikawa province. And this is now when he actually petitions the imperial court and says, like, hey, like, I'm now, like, a, a full provincial daimyo. Um, I have all these documents that state that I'm actually descended from imperial royalty, whatever. Um, and it's not super clear or wasn't super clear to me as I was reading, like what the significance of the specifics of the name change are, but he takes on what he considers like a more prestigious title, um, Tokugawa Eas, And I think part of that is just to like distance himself from his old clan title, which was, you know, known to be a less prestigious title. And so yeah. now he, his clan goes from being the Matsudara plan, clan to being the Tokugawa clan. <clears throat> Then again he probably wasn't actually descended from the imperial family. Yeah, he he
0: just had his um yeah. his chancellor fabricate evidence. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he fabricated Fa- fabricate acclaim. a claim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but either way, he was the the emperor agreed and he was granted an increase in courtly rank. There was this like official court ranking system of like people in in uh imperial families that were descended from uh the imperial family way back when and so you have like a like a rank it's like the third junior class of the whatever of the court or whatever it's stupid um, <clears throat> so oda is going to go on to defeat the uh asakura and the azai clans and then he also simultaneously engages in a massive campaign to stamp out the Ekoiki warrior monks um, who i briefly okay. mentioned at the end I've- of last episode I um, like that name. They're kind of cool. They're mostly members of the Pure Land sect of Zen Buddhism, um, and they reject the temporal rule of the daimyo over the common people, and so they set up these sort of strongholds of like resistance against any daimyo. And they'll sometimes make alliances with them, but generally they're like, they I like these fellows. They're kind of like commies. Like they they like, you know, they reject the, uh, they reject the rule of, of of the elite class, and they yeah. seek to elevate the working man. <laughs> I, I reject your caste system. Yeah, exactly.
0: Plus, they got a swag name, dude, the ecoiki. Oh, yeah.
1: And they uh, they dress really cool, too. If you look up Iko Iki monks, they always I have these, like, that, cool I mean. robes. And they show them with the naginatas a lot, which are, like, the bladed pole arms. They had, like, yeah. mainly because it was kind of hard. I and mean, they'll show them with swords and stuff, too. But um, the sword was sort of a prestige weapon. So they tend to show them with, like, slightly less... Um, elite weaponry and they just these have dudes like, are swag yeah they're, they're these dudes are swag they're cool bro. as fuck so maybe that should be one of our pictures this, i don't know no it should probably yeah be they, they kind of look
0: like um the the south run men from uh yeah lord of the rings i think
1: i think that there's probably um there's probably some intentional
0: yeah they definitely look influence like influence there yeah
1: yeah they have like the face covering and everything yeah
0: exactly yeah 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 um, yeah, hell yeah, dude. These, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for the Eco Eki
1: monks. Don't. Um, they're gonna lose, but. <laughs> what? Well, that's all right. But they're cool them. though. Like they are cool though. <laughs> hey, I ain't no fair weather fan. So anyway, I know you're rooting for them, but uh, Oda will ultimately prepa- uh, prevail over them at the siege of Ishiyama Honganji, which is a ten-year-long siege of like one of the last. Yeah, see, they held Iko-iki out though. Strongholds. Yeah, they do. But he's also keep in mind, like <laughs> he's devoting like one-twentieth of his forces to this while simultaneously fighting, like, four other wars. Yeah. Don't take it away. It is what it is. It's a victory. (laughs) Um, At this point, it seems like nobody's going to be able to stop Oda. Um, He's going to succeed, but, you know, who's to say? Because, you know what they say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall.
2: (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, You put that in your notes. I did. I did. Um. I can't. I can't. I can't forget that. What was the words again? Oh yeah, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Okay. The bigger the yeah, dick, the
1: harder the balls. Uh, so... <laughs> So I've mentioned Takeda Shingen and Uesugi Kenshin uh, multiple times at this point. Um, And I'm going to probably give them their own episode because they rule. But um, right now we're going to talk about the fact that Takeda eventually wins their ongoing struggle, right? So they've been distracted by fighting each other for all this time. And so now he's able to kind of look south and be like, ooh, like I've been allied to this Oda guy, but he's kind of slowly like conquering the whole country, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I feel like maybe that should be me because, you know, after all, I am – takeda Shingen, and i'm the tiger of kai so let he, happen, huh? <laughs> he breaks off his alliance and he, yeah you're right it's like hey maybe i've been like a little too preoccupied <laughs> with this other guy and <laughs> yeah. this other guy all right i'm not gonna lie fellas that one's on me that one's on me it's kind of on me that one yeah but that hey let's let's nip this in the bud unfortunately the bud is now a flower and there's just no stopping it but he forms an anti-oda coalition um <laughs> and He's just, like, decided that he has to sort of try to stop Oda from doing whatever the fuck he's doing. So, <clears throat> he attempts, his his main attempt to kind of undermine Oda, he, he gets his aunt, Oda's aunt, to defect. Okay. And she surrenders Ooh. one of See, their that's key, why you got,
0: you only trust uncles, no aunts, dude.
1: And she surrenders one of their key border forts to Takeda's forces, which gives him, like, a staging ground for a full invasion of Owari. Um, and then she marries uh, the general leading that assault. So now there's like this like legitimate claim by a Takeda retainer to this castle. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, like I said, things have already progressed a little too far. And at this point, Oda is pretty powerful. Um, so at the same time that this is all happening, uh, Yoshiaki, who is the shogun that Oda put into place like 10 years ago, um, he reaches out to Takeda now seeing that he's trying to mount this offensive against nobunaga and he's like you need to march on Tio- on kyoto and and make it clear that you will defend me like i need you at, at my side and i'll give you whatever you want <laughs> a little damsel in distress i know well but so takeda cares about those titles like i said he's old yeah. money like he's an old school yeah. warlord so he hears that and he's like all right like i could do that um <clears throat> so what oda does is kind of Hardcore but kind of brilliant. He basically sends out Tokugawa Ieyasu to tie up Takeda's forces on the uh, eastern border. And Tokugawa is fighting a losing battle and basically getting his ass kicked. But what did I say? He's really good at just outlasting people. And yeah. so he's taking all these L's, but he's like strategically retreating. He's not letting himself get lost. He's like, taking his Blue Chew. He is. But he's not letting himself get <laughs> He's not letting himself get decimated. Like so he'll take losses, but it's you know it's a skirmish, he'll retreat, he'll retreat, and he's keeping Takeda tied up. Um, <clears throat> and there isn't really a game plan, um, but they do that long enough, and Takeda's kind of old at this point um he just dies in 1573 he just dies and so they're like oh fuck this is awesome and his whole thing kind of falls apart and Nobunaga's like cool i'm not looking a gift horse in the mouth and he marches on kyoto and just straight up deposes the shogun and makes him join a buddhist monastery and shave his head and change his name and just fuck abolishes yeah, the shogunate it completely so at this point there is no more shogun he's like yeah we tried that uh you were obviously a little a little shithead and so mm-hmm. there's just no more shogun because uh, i said so that's his Stone Cold Steve Austin moment. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was
0: considering making making the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin joke, but you what? did it for me.
1: What? <laughs> um, so that's his moment there, and he. Oh, he wish I wish I seltzer to crack right now. Yeah, Damn. we already did that one once, though. So. That's true. We did. Um, <clears throat> so ultimately, Nobunaga is going to go on to appeal to the emperor. Um, to to basically just start giving him titles and shit like he didn't want them from the shogun because the shogun was trying to like dominate him but the emperor is a little weakling and he's like yeah now I want that sweet sweet legitimacy there is no shogun so he becomes you know like supreme general of the realm and protector of Japan and all these things um yeah, all the all the
0: all the titles yeah and he doesn't he doesn't
1: become shogun um, um, and I'm sure down the road he would maybe try to do that but. We'll see what happens. Um, And at this point, he controls nearly half the country. He's got this, like, web of alliances and conquests and tributary states. Um, He personally controls almost 20 provinces right in the center of Japan, which is, like, a massive amount of land. A lot of these other guys that we're talking about control, like, three or four, and they're considered, like, big players. He's now in charge of, like, 20 provinces. Just, again, not directly, but they owe him their allegiance and whatever. Um... And so, obviously, he was lavish with support from the emperor, um, and it's just working out. He's just having a great time. And the Mm -hmm. emperor, like, you know, what is the emperor going to do? The emperor's been a little bitch for centuries, so. Yep. He's not about to shake things up. So, at this point, his last main opposition was Uesugi Kenshin in the north, who was that guy that Takeda was always fighting. The dragon. the, The dragon of Echigo. Um so he takes exception to Nobunaga's repeated attempts to undermine his authority in the north through subterfuge. So Nobunaga had been sending up um, Shinobi and people to try to, like, spread propaganda. Um, yep. He secretly conspired with one of Uesugi Kenshin's generals to lead a pro-Nobunaga coup and, like, install a puppet governor in the, in the, the region. So Uesugi is just like, fuck it, dude. Like, you don't know who you're messing with, little boy. And he, you know, sort of like Takeda, but he was a little younger than Takeda. And, um, frankly, Uesugi is considered probably the greatest military mind of this era. He just wasn't as rich or powerful as Takeda. So, like, he was always going at him with, like, slightly fewer resources and always giving him a run for his money. And so now you've got Nobunaga, who's, like, this little pissant upstart who, yeah, has got, like, a bunch of shit. But now he's going up against, like, maybe the most brilliant general in Japan. It's like
0: Hannibal going up against the various republican generals right until fucking uh, uh scipio comes in right scipio Af- africanus
1: exactly now this will have a different outcome unfortunately but mm. um not it will and it won't so it will mm-hmm. just by chance so um so oda sends his best generals up to meet usugi in battle mm-hmm. uh, and despite this his forces are completely fucking routed And Usugi just rocks him. Just, like, absolutely kicks the shit out of him. And this is a guy who's been basically undefeated and defeated every other powerful general on the land, but, you know, he's trying to invade this... Just gets his dick kicked off. Yeah, he just gets his absolute shit pushed in. Um, And so at this point, it's so bad, and he's realizing that it looks so bad, that he's considering just ignoring the northern provinces and, like, ceding them to Usugi, and just sort of trying to find a way to, like, either outlast him or maneuver to get him to just, like have like detente and so there's peace and he'll conquer the rest of japan and just like let usugi be kind of independent up north um but luckily much like with takeda usugi just fucking ups and kicks the bucket in 1580 which is the same year that he defeats the ikoiki so <clears throat> oda's then able to move in and assert control because there's a power vacuum in. Yeah
0: he kind of just uh fell backwards into that one <laughs> he did he did yeah. yeah
1: so he was he was at least kind of evenly matched with takeda but usugi was like fucking him up and was, like, just winning. And he just got really lucky, and they both died. Um, But again, you know, had they both, like, maybe decided to join forces and cut his shit short early on, they would have just rocked him. But they were so busy fighting each other and depleting their resources and killing all their men, fighting each other. And ultimately, neither one gained much. And then he just slowly, one by one, took each of them out, like, six years apart. He just outlasted them. Uh, um, so now he is far and away the most powerful Lord in Japan uh, He's directly controlling 20 provinces He controls the capital in Kyoto He's got all these titles directly from the emperor And in everything but name he is the shogun He is he is running the country He is the preeminent lord of Japan And everyone at this point Recognizes it There's no one else that's Especially in his region but there's no one else in Japan That's tough enough to mm-hmm. try to stand up to him um, So it looks like he's pretty well Doing pretty well But hey It's the Sengoku Jidai. So things are going to get fucking weird. (laughs) That's number Wang. It's number (laughs) (laughs) Wang. So at the height of his power, in 1582, uh, he was suddenly and mysteriously assaulted and assassinated uh, while he was on a religious retreat at the Honnoji Buddhist temple by one of his retainers named Akechi Mitsuhide. Um, The reason for this betrayal is unknown, uh, but the potential for a power vacuum is obviously immense. Uh, So Mitsuhide fled... Um, He attempts to reach out to aid to the Mori clan, who are one of the other big clans. If you remember last episode, they... um, I'm sorry, that was the Hojo clan, so ignore that. But the Mori (laughs) clan is another, like, not as big as, like, Usugi and Takeda, but they're sort of in the central region. And right now, Toyotomi Hideyoshi is sort of tied up fighting them. And so Mitsuhide reaches out to them and is like, hey, I know you fucking hate this guy. Like, will you grant me asylum? I'll help you, and we can try to Mm -hmm. overthrow him. Um, But... Oda, I'm sorry, but Toyotomi Hideyoshi intercepts his messenger, and he immediately breaks off his campaign against the Mori, rushes off after Akechi, captures him, and fucking executes him on the spot in mm-hmm. the name of his, you know, beloved dead lord, yep. and people hail him as a hero, and all of Oda's retainers, for the most part, swear fealty to him, and he becomes the new head of this coalition, And know, former peasant, former peasant. Um, or a fishmonger. And they obviously don't like it. Like, they all look down on him, but he's also, like, a brilliant leader, and he's the smartest of them all, and he's got this big army, and he's right in the... You know, he's they're mobilized. It's like a Julius Caesar situation. Like, he's got the devotion of his men, and what else can you do in the face of that? And so even <clears throat> Tokugawa Ieyas... Well,
0: I would say it's more like Augustus.
1: He, sure. Because
0: Augustus was lowborn. He was uh, plebeian.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Even Tokugawa Ieya's pledges devotion to him, even though he probably, at this point, is thinking it should have been him, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what does he do? He outlasts people. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's I, his so whole I, thing. So I, yeah. I was thinking about this when you said that. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of that is um,
0: the whole outlast thing about him, how much of that was that he just outlasted them and it was kind of like a uh, like reality creates the myth or something like that. Sure, yeah. You could say that about
1: <laughs> all these guys so yeah. much of this is like mythologized and you know japanese history is yeah. a lot more fluid than even say like roman history so who knows yeah was
0: he always outlasting people in battles right or did he just only outlast in this power struggle and said oh but that was what he was always doing he was always the last <laughs> one up standing well, in the battles n-
1: when we talk about him next week you will see there is more to it <laughs> than just the legend unless yeah. i mean the whole thing's a lie but he he's he's biding his time and he does have that reputation already at this point you know these guys when they were all still alive had this reputation they all like represented these sort of three pillars of what led to someone being successful you know what i mean you had someone who was aggressive you had someone who was smart and you had someone who was patient and like those three things together lead to success yeah but yeah i'm sure there's a a big element of like after the fact, looking back and being like, this is what defines this period and these guys. Yeah. Um, And there's some saying, I forget what it was, but it's literally just something like that. It's like, you know, Oda attacks, Toyotomi plans, and uh, Tokugawa waits, or something like that. Uh Um, So, yeah. So, (laughs) Toyotomi (laughs) is going to go on to take the title of Kampaku, um, which basically means regent. Um, He is lowborn. No one's going to make him shogun. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's just a given. Um, He might have supreme authority over the country, but he's never going to be given that title. Um, People don't even like to acknowledge that he's samurai because his dad was a fucking fisherman. Um, But whatever. He's he's moving up to that. And he is going to start to work on what his lord started, which is conquering the rest of Japan. Mm -hmm. But we don't have time for that today. All we have time for is to say goodbye and we love you from left to right. Nice to <laughs> kept this Kept this one to a nice tight 75. Right? Yeah, last one we went to like an hour and 40, so I thought this yeah. one we would try.
0: Well, <laughs> I was easy. thinking, it's funny, when we started this podcast, I remember both of us were like, as long as we can get like 45, 50 minutes to an episode, we think yeah. that'll be good? To an, to an hour. It's like, now we struggle to stay... Like, an hour 20 is like a short one these oh, days.
1: This is... I felt like I cut so much from this episode. Yeah. I cut out so much to get <laughs> it down to this length. And I obviously, I guess I could have gone a little longer, but I did want it yeah. to be a little shorter than last week's. Yeah, I we uh,
0: Yeah, we've, we've had some marathon ones yeah. in a row
1: lately. Yeah. So. so, anyway. Yeah, so that's this week. Um, it takes us right up to you know, the death of Oda and the the ascendancy of Toyotomi. Um and then next week we're gonna kinda talk about the next couple guys and uh, realistically I could do two more episodes, but I don't think I want to, so Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Yep. Okay. Great. <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um so yeah, that's it. I hope you guys liked it. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh nope 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 nope, <laughs> nope nope gotta go gotta go gotta go right now yeah, it's already uh,
0: almost nine thirty. Um yeah. But uh yeah, so anyway, uh I guess we'll just do the same things as always. Please rate my viewers on Apple. Please tell people about us because we spread by word of mouth. Yeah. Um Yeah, just the normal ones, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah, brother. Yep. Yeah, right, you guys. can follow us on the <laughs> socials, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, all that shit. You know, you know, you know the job. You know
1: that you know how it goes. Yeah, we've
0: done this a few times.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, as always, I'm Cam. This is Evan. Yep. You've been listening to this Left is on Evan. Red. That's Cam. Yeah, this is Cam. That's Evan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did I say? This is Cam. This is Evan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm both guys and yeah, yeah. that's my nameless that's a doppelganger of my who, imagination It's yeah. just a voice I do. Uh, yeah. Imagine that would be really impressive cuz we interrupt yeah. each other so much if I was able to do both at the same time. Yeah. That would be pretty Talk sweet. Talk
0: about speaking on both sides of your
1: mouth, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Yeah. Peace. <laughs>